Hi there. Welcome to the Oompal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode 8, I'm very pleased to bring to you a chat with Brad Pullman of Pullman Pipes. Pullman Pipes can be found online at www.pullmanpipes.com. That's P-O-H-L-M-A-N-N-P-I-P-E-S.com. This podcast is sponsored by Scott Bundy of PipeRestore.com. Not only can I personally attest to Scott's amazing abilities, I'm going to let you see for yourself. That is, the first two people to let me know that you're sending Scott any kind of refurb work, send me an email, let me know, click the Contact Me button on our site, and I'm going to send the first two people who do that, each a restored Oompal pipe, restored by Scott Bundy at PipeRestore.com. Your restore work has to reach Scott within seven days of the email that I receive for you to win the contest. Good luck. For this podcast, I spoke with the amazing Brad Pullman at the 2008 Chicagoland Pipe Show, and it was a real pleasure. Brad is an amazing artist. Have a seat, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. Okay, we're at the 2008 Chicagoland Pipe Show, and I'm sitting here with Brad Pullman, wonderful, amazing American pipe carver. Brad, Thank you, and welcome to the show. Thank you. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're located in the States, and how you got, first of all, how you got into pipes. I live in southern Oregon, about 15 miles north of the California border. I got into pipes when I was about 17 years old. My folks had my little brother, who's 15 years younger than me. He was just born, and my folks bought a pipe for my older brother, on the occasion of my little brother's birth because uh, he was going to be in high school. I, I He was in high school or something, and they were afraid he was going to start smoking cigarettes or something, so they gave him a pipe. I So I got interested in it, too, and then when I was like about 16 or 17, then I started smoking a pipe, too, and just like so many other people, you know, you just get bit with the pipe bug, and it's incurable, you know? Yeah. And um, Did you start collecting then, too? I had... Pipes. Uh, my first expensive pipe, I got a Dun- bought a Dunhill ODA, and I had to make payments on it. I think I paid a hundred dollars for it. <laughs> and uh, when I was in high school, I thought at one point I thought that uh, I would like to open a men's clothing store. What I thought, you know, I was always mentally geared to have a business of my own. And then I think when I was in my twenties, then. I decided I wanted to be a, a pipe maker. Then I thought, well, it'd be really cool to have a pipe shop and make my own pipes in the pipe shop. So that was my first conception of, of an impetus to start making pipes. And when was that? When did you first start making pipes? Uh, 1976. Wow. Do you have any of those first pipes that you made still? I got a few kicking around. Do you? I worked shop, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they keep you humble. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so was there a break in there between when you first started making pipes and then um, the line that you've got today? Yeah, there was about a, uh, well, 1980 to 2003. So. Yeah. So 2003 is when you started what we now know as... as Pullman Pipes. Pullman Pipes, okay. Yeah. And at that point, what was your what was the impetus to get back into carving? I got uh, caught up in a workforce reduction at the Compaq Hewlett Packard merger when I had been working for Compaq Computers, and uh, 
I got let go in the process. And uh, so there was about a year or so struggling there, not knowing exactly how I was going to pay the mortgage. And I uh, had my buddy Charles visiting me in the garage one day and talking about pipes and said something about making making pipes and I thought I could do well at it. And my wife happened to pass through the garage and she says, well, don't talk about it, do it. <laughs> There you go. So, that's a pretty good uh, impetus, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. I think there's uh, plenty of folks out there who would want their wives to go, hey, go ahead and make pipes. Uh, yeah. yeah, That's all right. Yeah. Uh, who would you say, did you have any mentors at that time that kind of helped you along the way when you first started to get back into it? No, no. I started out on just trying to pick up where I left off, mm-hmm. you know. So I started with the the... The first pipes that were kind of renditions of what I used to make at the Briar Workshop, you know, and uh, 2004 Chicago. And then uh, came back in 2005. That's when I discovered Todd Johnson and Jody Davis. Man, I mean, their, their pipes just absolutely knocked me out. You know, I just, it's like, I didn't know you could make pipes like that, yeah. you know? <laughs> So they were they were a real uh, inspiration to me. So then I I don't know somewhere along the line. I don't even know how it happened, but somehow somewhere along the line, Todd Johnson contacted me and uh, invited me to come to his workshop. That was that was really neat. Just to sit and wa- watch him him work. Uh, he made pipes in a completely different way than. And I had learned how, so I kind of learned this. I learned the second way right. to approach pipe making as well, and it's kind of neat because I can I can do it either way, and and uh, if you get into a tight spot, it gives you more versatility to work solutions to your problems, you know. And uh, so it's been a <laughs> it's been a great experience working with him, and. Um, and then, I think the following year at Chicago, then I met Jeff Grasick, and uh, Jeff has Jeff has been an inspiration and uh, a good friend to just talk to, yeah. you know, to sh- yeah. share pipe making with, and it's been good to have pipe making friends. That's that's one thing I keep hearing over and over and over is this kind of. Uh, yeah, conversation that always comes back to community you know and and it's it's a really good thing to hear because um these days you know sometimes you don't necessarily get a sense of that in so many other places but i i work in in isolation really i mean i am i'm in my workshop i'm out in the country and i there's not a cool pipe shop to hang out hang out at Mm -hmm. you know and so the telephone is really my link to the outside world and, mm-hmm. you know, and the internet. It's really neat to be in my workshop and get a call from Jeff or, a, you know, Steve Morissette, somebody like that. And just have the phone on speaker and we'll just sit there for an hour and have a conversation while we're both working on pipes. And it's like, yeah, it's, it, it's like 
working together in the shop without actually being together, you yeah. know, but uh, it's kind of neat. What would you say that your your inspirations are now as far as your artistic eye when you start to work on pipes these days? Where do you draw a lot of that artistic uh, inspiration from? Uh, I'm just taking what it is that I do and trying to... Uh, I, I keep on reinventing what I'm doing. I try to do the same shape over and they never come out quite quite the same but you learn things along the way I work with just uh, concepts of, of lines I'm, I don't even think in terms of uh, shape anymore I think in terms of lines and suggestions of, of, of curves and contours and techniques that I use to make those and then the pipe the pipe kind of emerges out of out of these very hints, you know. I I, mm -hmm. I don't really have shapes in mind. I have curves, and that's it's, it's hard to describe, you know. So when you start to work on something, you don't have it necessarily drawn out, ready, to, you know. So how how exactly explain to me how you do work in your shop? You go I down take, to your I, shop. I take and, a whole block of wood. Yeah. And I look at the grain on the wood. Kind of figure out where 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 the bowl's going to be, and uh, I take the whole block to a shaping wheel, and I just start sanding away and just removing wood off the block. Do you find well? Um, do you, is your shop right there at your house? Yeah, that makes it that makes it pretty nice to to have your yeah. Your I walk shop out there. back. I have yeah. a little shop out and back. It looks like it's been sitting there since eighteen sixty. Yeah. It's like a western. A storefront kind of on on the front of it, and it's nice, six hundred square feet. That is nice. Yeah. So when you're in your workshop, you start you start working on something, and then eventually you'll start to shape it from just ideas that are in your head. You don't necessarily, you know, map this out hundred percent, right? No. Yeah. Unless I'm making like if I'm going to make a classic shape, right? I'll I'll cut it out of a block of wood, mount it onto the lathe, and and drill it, and then and then shape it. Speaking of classic shapes, you do classic shapes and you do some very, what I would consider avant-garde or, or, or some things that are really, really um, out there as far as shapes go. Uh, tell me about that, that difference that you're able to balance in your work because there's, you've got a lot of different things going on there and they're gorgeous by the way, but um, tell me about how or why uh, you decide to uh, do classics as well as Kind of expound on these curves that you talk about. The classics are what I grew grew up with. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I first started doing pipes, I mean, if you you were talking, if you were talking a nice pipe, you were talking Dunhills, Sheratons, Sassinis. Mm -hmm. Those were the pipes that I really looked up to when I first started, and I guess I guess that's why. My aesthetic for the classics is more of an English classic style rather than the Danish mm -hmm. aesthetic within within the classics. Mm -hmm. And you do so much more than just classics, though. You've got a lot of different things going on there. So how do you um, do? You find yourself getting in a, a mood to just do some classics for a while, and then do you find yourself in a mood to just you know do something? out there and go back to those curves that you were talking about yeah yeah you get in you get into moods where you know it's nice to balance your work with a few classics you know 
It's just as the mood strikes, you you know, what do I feel like doing today? Well, I feel like working on the lathe today, so I'll make a classic. And uh, you do a couple of those, and then you go, God, i got to get back to the shaping wheel and just knock something exotic out, you know? Yeah. And, um, and you just find a good block of wood for that and go over to the shaping wheel, and it's exciting because you never know exactly what's going to emerge, but I think those are the... Those are the most fun, fun pieces, and it's really neat because you, you just, it, I get really excited about those pieces. Yeah. So that's, that's, you would say, probably the mo most fun part of it, having those shapes kind of emerge. What are some of the biggest challenges, would you say, as you're making pipes? Getting, uh, getting rid of flaws is, is the basic, biggest challenge, you know, having having flaws pop up right when you have a shape com almost completely conceptualized and coming into final form and then have to alter alter the form if a flaw comes up and a lot of times I I don't like to once once the shape is nearly there I don't like to I don't like to have to mod modify the shape mm -hmm. with the flaw. So most of the time, I'll try to get it out. I won't. I won't go too too far. If I have to go too far, then I'll just blast. I'll just blast the pipe mm -hmm. rather than change the form. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you. It's hard to regroup and come up with come up with a nice nice pipe. I, I you get locked into you get locked into a shape that you're you're mentally prepared that this is what the pipe's going to look like and and uh if you have to change it you never really like the pipe as as much as you should you know and I, I just I like I like pipes yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh what would you say you enjoy the most about pipe making the people that you meet. Yeah. <laughs> There's that common thread that I keep hearing. It's all about community, and it's yeah. That is, those are such strong ties. It's really great. I mean, um, I know that this is my first year um, at Chicago, and over and over and over again, I see people who are meeting up again after a year, and you know, they're running up to each other and hugging each other, and you know, there's it's so much camaraderie here that yeah. it's, it's really wonderful to see that. So. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It, it, it's a weird thing. You, it's hard to put your finger on why you love pipes. Yeah. You know, it's certainly not an addiction. It's just, I mean, well, it, it can be a mental addiction. Yeah. But, um, well, I see a lot of your work as as sculptures by themselves. And, you know, I certainly love to buy art. And so when I see some of your work, it's like, wow, yes, I could definitely live with that wonderful piece of art. So I can see, uh, I can certainly see that angle how many um, pipes did you bring to the show this year? Twenty. Twenty. About how many do you have in production each year, approximately? I'm targeting to get a hundred, a hundred pieces a year. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite pipe that you smoke right now? Ben Apple. Yeah. My Ben Apple. My favorite pipe. Yeah. How long have you had that one? Uh six months. Yeah, six, seven months. I was, uh, I have several different 
several different batches of wood in my shop and I decided that uh, I really wanted to compare them so I made I made pipes from each of my batches of wood and just kept them for myself to smoke just to get more familiar with the wood that I was using you know usually I can't afford to keep my own pipe mm -hmm. but I figured I needed to do this just so I would really know what my product is tasting like from the different woods. So that uh, Ben Apple, I was really impressed with that, with that wood in particular. And uh, so I bought, I bought a, large, uh, a large batch of that wood. What is your favorite uh, tobacco right now? Uh, I'm smoking a lot of uh, Stokebee, uh Bullseye Flake, and I like the Samuel Goweth, smoking a lot of Goweth, uh, Bull Virginia Flake, and Best Brown. Are you a, would you consider yourself a collector as well, as far no. as buying pipes? No. When no. you come, when you come. I can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As far as talking about folks who are just starting out pipe smoking, are there some words of wisdom you can offer to those those people? Buy the nicest pipe you can afford. Smoke good, good tobacco. I would go with uh, good imported tin tobacco. And uh, puff slowly. <laughs> Do you have any words of wisdom for the folks who are out there just starting to try and make pipes? Make lots of mistakes. Make lots of mistakes and learn how to solve problems. That's what pipe making is. It's just a process of problem solving. What can we expect out of Brad Pullman pipes in the future? Uh, I think that they're going to get... I think they're going to be getting more creative, more uh, unique. I think you're going to see a lot more of the free forms and less and less of, of the classic shape. Really? Why is that? Those are just so yeah, much more just, interesting uh, to you. Yeah, yeah. To shape shape a pipe, shape a pipe first, and then drill it is you just your best pieces always are given birth from that approach. At least for me, they are shaping then drilling. Sh shaping the pipe first and then drilling it. Really? Tell me about that. Tell me how you started doing that, that way. Well, that, that's the approach that Todd Johnson taught me. It gives you a lot of, a lot of leeway if you got pits or something like that popping up in the process. You're not, you're not shaping a pipe around a hole. You're shaping the shape that you want. Then you have the option of putting the hole anywhere you want on the pipe, and you can come up with some just some bizarre, some bizarre stuff. Like Jeff Grasick made a uh, basically an elephant's foot it was completely shaped out. Then he turned it on side and put the hole in 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 the side and made uh, I think he called that the porpoise or something like that. But just I mean that's how you come up with really creative stuff by 
leaving your options wide open like that and, and uh, shaping the pie first and then drilling it second uh, affords you those options. Very interesting. Because Thank you so much, Brad. Right. Um, it's been a real pleasure having you here today. Thanks. Your pipes are just absolutely beautiful, and it's, it's, just, it's really nice to be able to talk to you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And that was episode number eight, a chat with Brad Pullman of Pullman Pipes. You can view some of Brad's beautiful work at www.pullmanpipes.com. That's P-O-H-L-M-A-N-N-P-I-P-E-S.com. This podcast was brought to you by Scott Bundy at PipeRestore.com. Let Scott restore an old friend or a new find and be amazed, like I was, at the results. I hope you had fun. Let's do this again soon. Until then, I'm Oli with Oompal.com, wishing you the best of luck trying to decide which Brad Pullman pipe is going to be next in your collection.